the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you a worshiper? It seems like a silly question to ask a bunch of people who gathered on Sunday morning to do just that. <laughs> but I assure you, it's not a trick question. I'm try- not trying to insult anybody. Uh, but it's good for our soul from time to time to ask ourselves that question. It's a checkup question. Because after we come to faith in Jesus, the rest of our lives must be devoted to the worship of God. So it becomes part and parcel of our existence once we come to the knowledge of God's saving grace through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's good for us to ask this question. What constitute or characterizes worship in your life and mine? How do you know that you are truly a worshiper of God? And you know these things already. Okay, there are four foundational uh, pillars of our Christian faith that every Christian should practice. These are foundational to every individual Christian and to every church. How do you know? that you are a worshiper of God as a Christian, and how do you know that the church you're attending worships God according to scriptural truth? Okay, four pillars. Number one, there is praising. Number two, there is praying. Number three, there is participation in the church. And number four, there's the proclamation of God's word. So those four things, they all start with the letter P, okay? These are the four things that the Holy Spirit helps us accomplish in our lives as individual Christians and as a collective body of believers. There is praise, there's praying, there's participating in the, in the ministry, and there's proclaiming the gospel. It's part of our life. So we can diagnose right away if we ask ourselves the question, am I a worshiper? We can diagnose right away whether we are or not by just simply reciting these four things. Do I praise God? Do I pray to God? Do I participate in the ministry of God's work? Do I proclaim the word of Christ? When we praise God, we are worshiping. When we pray to God, we are worshiping. When we participate in the work of God, we are worshiping. And when we proclaim the word of God, we are worshiping. When we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, when we were baptized in the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit hones in on these four foundational things and he works that through and in us. So that's a good way to diagnose our faith walk, okay? Now, uh, every year in our church, I try to, to preach on one of these four things cyclically, you know, because I think it's very important for all of us to have a grip, a strong grip of what it means to be a worshiper of God. So today we're going to talk about, today and the next two Sundays, we're going to talk about the fourth pillar, and that is 
the proclamation of the gospel. Are you a witness to the gospel? That's part of being a Christian. You can't get away from that. We have a message, and we need to share that message. Christ in the Christian vernacular, that's called witnessing or proclaiming the gospel, okay? Uh, we live in a very trying and perilous times, but we also live in the most opportune time to proclaim the good news of the gospel to people. This is a great day to be a Christian. The days that we're living in with the pandemic, with all of the unrest in our big cities, with all of the things that are going on, with the very contentious uh, economic and political issues that we're facing, this is a great time to be able to reach out to people and tell them about the message of the Word of God. The challenge that we face, however, is that more and more people in our day and age are moving away. They're getting more skeptical and skeptical about the Christian faith, the Christian message. And Christians, on the other hand, are shying away more and more from proclaiming the gospel. The skepticism among non-believers and the fear of witnessing among believers are converging in an alarming rate. I don't know if you noticed that, but it's really true. I was reading um, uh, a research study. Uh, this, I think this is from Sondervan. Uh, I was reading an article, and it's about the top four reasons why Christians are afraid or hesitant to share their faith. Okay, Four things came up, four reasons why Christians don't want to share their faith. Number one, they don't want to lose their relationship with their non-believing friends. Or they have not developed enough deeper relationships with non-believers to be able to share with them. Secondly, Christians do not want to come across as preachy. Every time you share your faith, about Jesus, when we talk about Jesus, people have a tendency to say, oh, you're preaching to me. And Christians are afraid to, be, uh, to come across as preachy people. Number three, Christians don't want to be viewed as intolerant. In our very politically correct society today, Christians are shying away from proclaiming their faith because they're afraid that they might be labeled as intolerant people. And number four, many Christians fear that they don't know enough to answer the questions that non-believers are asking. Okay, those are the top four reasons why Christians are hesitant to share their faith in Jesus. Okay, but the same study shows the four reasons why non-believers or people who are not followers of Jesus reject the gospel. And here they are. Number one, they, they have a personal relationship with Christians and they're not impressed. Number two, Christians are preachy and self-righteous. Number three, Christians are intol intolerant and not accepting of other different lifestyles. And number four, Christians don't know how to answer the questions that non-believers have. Well, isn't that ironic? The irony of this is the very reasons why believers reject or non-believers reject the gospel are the same reasons why Christians are afraid to share them. And that is alarming. 
So why is there a problem? Now, this problem does not fall on the shoulders of those who don't believe. It falls upon us who call on Jesus as our Lord and Savior, okay? So this is squarely on our shoulders. What is the problem? The gospel is the good news. We have the greatest message in the world. Why don't we want to share it? And why would people reject such a great message? There's a disconnect. And the problem does not come from those who don't believe. The problem comes from us. We simply lack the motivation to proclaim what we believe. And why do we lack the motivation? Because we allow so many different things to color our motivation. We allow so many different things to tell us uh, uh, you know, as a barrier uh, to sharing our faith. We don't know the main thing that should drive our proclamation of our faith, our witnessing, okay? Now, there is only one motivation for witnessing or proclaiming your faith to other people. There's only one. And you'll be surprised to know that that motivation is, in fact, the central driving force behind our witnessing. We share our faith exclusively because we worship God. And that might sound really basic to you, but you got to think about it for, the m for a moment. Like praying and praising and participating in ministry, proclaiming or witnessing for our faith must be driven by the worship of God. Now, you and I come up with so many different reasons why we want to share our faith to people, right? And I'm sure some of you this morning, uh, you probably are doing some of that. And I'm not saying you're, you're not doing something to be able to let your faith come across to other people. But we come up with so many different reasons why we witness or we share the way we do, okay? Uh, and, and they are great reasons. They're wonderful reasons. They're not bad at all, but they are inadequate, okay? When, when uh, you ask a Christian, why do you share your faith? The number one thing that Christians say is this, because I love people and I have a burden for them. That's wonderful, but it's inadequate. Number two, they say, I want people to go to heaven when they die. Well, that's a great motivation to share your, the gospel to people. You want them to go to heaven, especially those people you love, right? Friends and family members. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. And so we want to see people go to heaven, and that becomes our motivation to witness. That's wonderful, but it's inadequate. Number three, I want to validate my own belief. I want to validate my own faith. So I want to share it with people to make sure that what I believe is validated by what they believe. That's wonderful. Nothing wrong with that. But it's not enough. Number four, I want to prove to people that Jesus is the answer. I want, I witness to people because I want them to know that Christianity really works. Now, all of these reasons are wonderful reasons. 
But that's not what should motivate us to share our faith. Our faith must be driven by one central motivation alone. And that is we share our faith because we want people to worship the true and living God through Jesus Christ. That's it. Okay, that's our focus. We witness because God wants people to worship Him. Okay, when we put our focus on people and say, I witness to you because I want you to go to heaven, the emphasis is on the person. But when you and I witness thinking that God must be worshipped, then the motivation is focused on God not on people, okay? Our focus for our witnessing is because we want people to worship God because God wants people to worship Him. You know, I read the Bible many times, and the number one problem that God had with people is idolatry. People worship other gods. And one thing that offends God above Everything is idolatry, the worship of other gods, okay? What is the first commandment? You shall not have any other god before me. That's the root of the problem. We share our faith to people because God must be worshipped. We need to move people from an idolatrous mentality to a faith in God mentality, you know. There's nothing wrong with us loving people and wanting them to be healed and delivered and saved. We want people to go to heaven. We want people to have an advancing life. And we witness to them because we want to do those things and, and make them realize that, that God loves them and all of that. But the primary reason why we tell people about God is because God wants them to be worshipers of him now on the text that ben read to us we find three compelling signs that our motivation to witness is driven by worship okay so three very quick points this morning and then we're going to pray all right okay based on this story in the ministry of the apostle paul there are three compelling signs that will tell us that our motivation to witness is driven by worship Number one, okay, witnessing is not about what we say to people. It's about our sense of sorrow, okay? Let me say that again. It's not about what we say. It's about our sense of sorrow, okay? What's going to bring people to the Lord are not our words that will make an impact in their life, okay? What really will drive us to share with people is the sadness that we see over the misdirected worship that people have in our world. Idolatry, okay, must drive us to witness for Jesus, okay? And look at verses 16 to 21 again. While Paul was waiting for for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed. Underline the word greatly distressed. 
Paul had a real sense of agony, a sense of deep sorrow about what he saw in the city because the city was full of idols. Verse 17, so he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Okay, underline the word debate there. With him and some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Now, Paul was very distressed, you know. He had all of these emotions swirling in his heart and in his mind because people in that city are neck deep in idolatry. Almost every kind of pagan god uh, uh, is represented in the city. All kinds of people are there for the purpose of talking, arguing, debating. Lots and lots of discussion going on in the city about the different gods, the different religions, the different philosophies and ideas, all of which were grossly misdirected against God. And Paul was not necessarily burdened by the fact that they are lost. Those people who are trying to look for answers, they're lost. Now, I'm sure Paul had a heart for people. I'm sure that he wanted them to be saved and go to heaven when they die. Okay, But that wasn't Paul's main motivation. His main driving force, the main driving force in his witnessing was the fact that they are ignorant about who the true God really is. Okay, They're ignorant about who they're worshiping. They don't know who the true God is. You know, in my own life, I was hesitant and downright afraid to tell people about my faith because I truly, honestly don't know what to say to them. Okay? You know, a lot of people are a lot smarter than me. A lot of people have more experience than I do. But when I realize that when it comes to sharing our faith to people, it's not about what we say that will make an impact in their lives. What has to come across to people and what has to come across in our own lives is the fact that we are really saddened and deep in sorrow because God is not being honored in the lives of people. Does it upset you every time the name of the Lord is mocked when you're watching television or when people begin to say all kinds of things about, you know, about, about God? You know, if it doesn't upset you, now something's wrong. Because God placed that burden of his presence and his glory in every person's heart. Now, when we came to light, when we came to faith in Jesus, we recognize that God is revealing himself to us. And every time there's a mockery, there's a blasphemy uh, of the name of the Lord, it should trouble you. And that troubled spirit that you have because God is not being honored, that's a motivating factor for you and I to tell people about Christian. Okay? About Christ, rather. If our motivation for witnessing is to see a person uh, delivered from sin, which is a great reason, but if we make that the primary reason, we really need to be eloquent. We really need to have persuasive words. But what if you're not eloquent? What if we can't talk good? 
Then what? Then our witness is dead? Absolutely not. What's important is not what we say, it's what's inside our heart. Are you burdened that your friends, your family, people are living, going towards an eternity of separation from God because they don't know who to worship? And that's why we need to tell people about Jesus. Why oh, you Christians are arrogant? What makes you think that yours is the only way? Your argument is not with Christian. When you tell me you're so arrogant, you think you're yours is the only way to get to heaven, please. Your argument is not is with me. Your argument is with Jesus. Argue with Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to heaven. Nobody gets to know God except through me. And so if you, you think that you know, we're sharing a, a, a message of salvation because we believe that our religion is the right religion, you're wrong. Jesus is the only person who claimed that he is the only way. Now, either you believe that or you reject it. But we need to tell people that the gospel is good news. But if they reject it, it's bad news. Because it's the only way to a relationship with a true and living God. God, when he sees in our hearts the sadness over idolatry, will begin to give us the words. In fact, Jesus said this to his disciples. When people persecute you, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'm going to put the words in your mouth. Why did he say that? He said that because it's not about what we say. It's not about what we know. It's not about our eloquence. It's not about how good of a talker we are. It's all about our sadness to see people die in an eternally separated state from God because they worship the wrong God. They didn't come to the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus. Witnessing must begin with a sense of sadness. Not for people, but for the neglect of God's glory and honor. Idolatry should distress us so much that we would like to witness to people so that they can be made to recognize that they need to direct their worship towards the God of heaven. Paul had this sadness written all over his words when he addressed the very religious people among his own people. Listen to his words in Romans chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. This is the, the great Saint Paul saying this. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, for those of my own race. Why does he have so much sorrow uh, about his own people? Why, did, why was he so dejected at those people? Why was he saddened? Why did he say, I, I wish that I could you know, give up my life so that I can share with these people the gospel? Why, were they, why was he so uh, saddened by this thing? The reason is, Many of the religious leaders among his own people were worshiping themselves. They were very self-righteous, okay? That is the number one, uh, that's the most dangerous type of idolatry, self-righteousness, okay? People were, at Paul was addressing a group of people who are saying, we have the covenants, we have the prophets, we have the temple, we have the Ten Commandments. All of these things belong to us. We are supposed to show the people what it means to be righteous. And Paul says, no, you don't have that power. There's only one righteous person, and that's Jesus. Scripture says, no one is righteous, no, not one. 
all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And the people that Paul was addressing, they're saying to themselves, no, I'm good enough to be good enough to be taken by God seriously. And Paul says, you're never going to ever be good enough on your own. Self-righteousness is the worst form of idolatry. Okay, Because God says none of us can attain that righteousness outside of Jesus. Well, well I'm a good person, Pastor. I, I don't cheat on my taxes. I, I, don't, I never killed anybody. I, I, I haven't uttered one swear word. I haven't stolen anything in my life. I had been an ethical person. I've respected my parents. I'm relatively successful in what I do. I'm a righteous person. Why would God send me to an eternally separated state from him in a place called hell? Why would God do that? I'm a righteous person. Righteousness does not belong to us. It belongs to God to impart to us. And God already decided that our righteousness must be based not on our own doing, but on what Jesus did on the cross. 